Welcome to the Hero Nation podcast. My name is Sophia Ansari. And my name is Breck Warren. We hope everyone is doing well. We know there's a lot going on out there. There's a lot of protests going on and people are standing up for what's right. So we thought there's nothing more appropriate for this episode than to talk about the comic book Bitter Root. Yes, uh, we appreciate everyone who is being a part of positive change during such challenging times. And Mm -hmm. there really is no better book to talk about than Bitter Root. Uh, It's a comic book all about how being a racist or being filled with hate makes you a monster, literally. So we want to spend today's episode discussing the characters and reviewing the comic book. Yeah, I mean, it's a great comic book. Um, it recently won an Eisner Award, by the way. And we want to talk some history, too, because that's an important piece to the storyline. You can go on the Hoopla app and download the first volume for free. Um, yeah, the Hoopla app is pretty much like your library, your local library. You can download stuff, rent books, movies, etc. And, of course, comic books. And Bitterroot is published by Image Comics, and it's written by David F. Walker, who wrote Luke Cage, Shaft, Naomi, and Chuck Brown with art from Sanford Green. And Walker recently worked with Green on the Marvel comic series Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah, I actually, I want to thank you for recommending this book, Brad. Oh, no problem. Uh, it's, <laughs> I think, you know, I've been raving about <laughs> this book, and I really do feel like this book is the reason comic books exist, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just, it's so good. It's it's got action. It's it's got humor, a good message, mm-hmm. beautiful artwork. I think that's the thing that I was sort of drooling over the most is the artwork, right? It's beautiful, mm-hmm. and it's and it's really educational. There's some essays, even, um, and some articles at the end of the book on the history and time period that the comic book takes place in. So I encourage everyone to check those out as well. Yeah, and I, and I think I remember telling you how I usually don't read letters pages or right. essays and comics. I just want the comic. But for this, I actually sat down and took the time to read right. these essays. And yeah, it's just so much knowledge. Mm-hmm. And another part, important part of the comic book is empowerment. It's a book about a family of monster hunters. But these aren't your normal monsters. Like Sophia said, you know, it has to do with racism, too. But we'll get to that in a minute. Because it takes place in 1924 in New York during the Harlem Renaissance. And for those of you who don't know, the Harlem Renaissance was when the development of Harlem in New York City was taking place. It was a great time creatively and culturally for black America. There was so much going on with art, dance, music, literature. All the great artists were there in Harlem at the time. It also set the stage for the civil rights movement. Yeah, I actually I saw an interview with the the writers of Bitterroot, and they they mentioned how the Harlem Renaissance was this you know this cultural creative boom, right? Mm-hmm. But there that was just in the north, right. in, in the in the south, you know, people were getting lynched and terrible things were happening. Um, so they they set this storyline during that time period because they wanted to show the beauty and the ugliness of the black experience in America. And this book is really a, a great commentary, not only on the world back then, but even how it is now. Uh, and as we have always said in every episode that you know comic books are a reflection of the world around us. Exactly. These are the same battles and monsters we are fighting today. Mm 
Right. In Bitterroot, the Sangris are a family of monster hunters, and they fight these monsters called Janu. And Janu are these demon-like monsters who used to be human, but became infected with hatred and bigotry. Now, the Sangri family has been hunting monsters for generations, and they do folk magic to try to cure these monsters. They use the power of the Fufanu root to help cure the monsters of hate. Yeah, there's so many family dynamics at play here in this book. And one is that although the Sangrie, is that how you say it? Sangrie family? I, I don't, I don't <laughs> We're just making this up. Sangrie, okay. yeah. yeah, Sangrie, yeah, yeah. Family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so even though they're all about curing racism, there's also some family members who believe that these monsters should just be killed because there really is no cure for racism. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of characters and themes that, that we're going to discuss today. And some some of those themes um, are they challenge stereo, gender stereotypes, uh, mm-hmm. the relationship of law enforcement with the black community, mm-hmm. uh, oppression, intergenerational mm-hmm. trauma, forgiveness, mm-hmm. grief. Um, I mean, there's just like so much. And, yeah. and really the importance <laughs> of history. <laughs> yeah. So let's introduce you all to some of the characters and give a little background. We won't give any spoilers. At least I, I hope not to. I right. mean, sometimes it comes out and you can't right. help it. And by the way, a lot of the history and background to these characters and storylines can also be found in the Red Summer Special number one, Red Shot. I mean, one shot, excuse me. Wow. So we encourage you all to read that after you read issues one through five. And chronologically, that's how it came out. It was the volume one, and then this one shot, and then volume two is currently going on now. And issue 10, I believe, comes out either next week, sometime, sometime this month. I know it comes out, it'll be coming out soon. And so hopefully that'll be up on the Hoopla app. Um, but again, read issues one through five first. Yes. So back to the characters. First is Maeda. You know, she is the matriarch of the family. She really believes that men should do the fighting and women should do the brain work. Now, she knows a lot about the Janu and makes a serum called Fufanu that cures the monsters and turns them back into human beings. She's a strong character, and she's trained the next generation of Sangris or Sangris. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll just pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Her grandkids, Blink and, and Cullen. Blink's mom, Nora, was Maeda's daughter and died during the Red Summer, which, again, got to go pick that up. And it is a true part of American history. And, again, you know, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, you'll, you'll see Maeda uh, throw it down and fight the Jinnu in the mm-hmm. Red Summer special. So, yeah, she's she's a pretty cool character. And Blink is also a great character. Blink, she, she wants to fight the monsters. She wants to be on the front lines. She's a skilled fighter, but Maeda tells her that women don't fight unless they, they have you know no other option. Mm-hmm. And we see them constantly arguing about <laughs> this, right? And yes. but, but what we know... Ma Edda is just trying to protect Blink, obviously. Right. Now, now there's something interesting, but Ma Edda doesn't know this, but Blink's been training to fight behind her back. And if you read the Red Summer special, you'll actually see Blink training with a woman named Wu. And she's from another family. Uh, it's a Chinese family mm-hmm. who are also monster hunters. Uh, so... The Singre family aren't the only monster hunters around. And and Wu even, I think she mentions that there are some Irish sisters in Boston who hunt Jinnu too. So Mm -hmm. there are a lot of families all over that are are fighting these these monsters. And there's a a moment where Blink comments to to Wu and she says, my family is more afraid of a woman fighting Jinnu than they are of actual monsters. (laughs) And her friend says, 
that her family rather her work in the laundromat than fight. So so they both have that bond of not agreeing with their family's traditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And back to Wu real quick. Her family actually comes up again in volume two. Because oh, something God. happened again. Ah, something happens, and they have to go to Chinatown. But anyway, that's. Ah, just, just, I haven't read it yet, so I'm, say, just I'm waiting it. for ten, and then I'll read the whole entire volume too. Yeah, 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 yeah. you gotta read it, man. So okay. an- another character, and this is one of my favorite, is Cullen. And Cullen is Maida's grandson and Blink's cousin. Now he lost his dad during the Red Summer in Chicago, and for those who might not know a lot about history, the Red Summer refers to the summer and fall of 1919 where there were race riots in cities in the North and the South. The three most violent riots occurred in Chicago, Washington, D.C., and Elaine, Arkansas. It was called the Red Summer because of the bloodshed, and it's known as one of the worst white-on-black violence incidents in U.S. history. Now, on July 27, 1919, on Chicago Beach, 29th Street Beach, a group of black kids that included 17-year-old Eugene Williams were playing in the water on rafts. Now, Eugene accidentally drifted over the invisible line and separated the black and white sections of the beach. And just because it's the north, still had segregation. And one of the white individuals started throwing rocks at the black kids. Eugene Williams slipped off, the, uh, slipped off his raft and drowned. Now, this incident ignited a race riot that would go down in history as, as one of the country's bloodiest. And I'm sure a lot of people weren't taught this in history class. Yeah, I, I I wasn't taught this in school. I think I had mentioned that to you in one of our conversations, Breck, that mm-hmm. I don't think I remember learning this in school. And I'm I'm pretty sure that bitter root is going to be the thing that introduces a lot of people to, to this history who never yeah. knew about the Red Summer. And uh, you mentioned the other cities like Washington, D.C. and Elaine, Arkansas. You know, these these riots, they took place for several months. And mm-hmm. Eugene's death wasn't just the beginning. It really was the spark that ignited the fire because this anger had been building up for a while. Around this time, we have to remember that soldiers were returning home after serving in World War One, mm-hmm. and, and black soldiers were returning to America where, you know, they weren't recognized for their service. And uh-huh. they, they fought in Europe, and then they came back here, and they were being put back into their segregated existence, right? So they did mm-hmm. all of this for the country, and they came back, and they were treated, you know, the same. And so so Eugene's death really was the last straw for sure. And and police didn't arrest the white man who threw that rock that caused Eugene's death. And, you know, back then, and I would say now, but back then, Chicago's police force, um, it really had a grimy history, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I say even now, but the, the white police were a tool of white supremacy in Chicago. Yeah, and you know, the police refusal to arrest the white man who caused Eugene's death sparked a war between the black and white Chicagoans. Now, as they were pulling Eugene's body out of the water, a crowd of angry witnesses kept asking the police to arrest the man who killed Eugene. Makes sense. So a crowd of about a thousand black people gathered and started protesting, and then in response to the protest, armed white men jumped in cars and tore through the city streets, firing into black homes and businesses. White mob marched down the street, assaulting black people and setting their homes on fire. A black man on the bench started shooting at police and got shot. And groups of young white men then started walking up 35th Street, shooting at homes and businesses were set on fire. And many grabbed sticks and rocks and started beating any black person that they saw along the way. It's just so terrible. It's so awful. 
And this this all lasted for 13 days. And by the time that the riot had ended, 23 black people and 15 white people were dead. Uh, 537 were injured and a thousand homes belonging to black families were burned. Victims were stoned and bludgeoned to death. And None of the people who committed the crimes against black victims were arrested. And the only people who were arrested were the black people. And again, this was occurring in other cities where there were massacres and, and lynchings. And, and really, look at us a hundred years later, you know, and the cops who killed Breonna Taylor still haven't been arrested. It's just mm. the same thing repeating over and over again. And it's crazy because her boyfriend who fired back, he gets arrested. Exactly. It's like, are you yeah. serious? Right. Right. So, you know, we keep saying we keep saying this in history. This all happened in the past, but at this very moment, these same things are happening still. You know, we're still struggling. And all of this happened while America was going through the Spanish flu pandemic. Mm. So, I don't know if we're in some kind of crazy time loop, but it's just right. crazy. I mean, it's like yeah. here we go again. Mm-hmm. You know, and in Chicago, you know, I want to mention Eve Ewing, who's a professor at the University of Chicago, and she wrote the Ironheart comic book series, and she wrote a book called 1919, which are a collection of poems about the Red Summer. Yeah, something she says um, in the book is how the past is the prologue. And, and from mm. the book, she says, I want to read uh, the, a quote. So, quote, uh, what does it mean? to have the story of Eugene Williams, 17-year-old black boy, which then becomes the story of Emmett Till, which then becomes the story of Laquan McDonald. What does it mean for us to be constantly living this recurring nightmare? End quote. So uh, check out that book again. Um, It's it's a book called 1919, and it's a collection of poems. And, you know, if you look at your if you look at your history books, your U.S. history books, you're probably not going to find much on the 1919 riots. Mm. And the reason for that is probably that it goes against America's idea of what happened after World War One, right? Because people want to remember that time as America making the world safe, right? Mm. Oh, America was yep. the hero. But really, in reality, in reality, America turned their backs on veterans, veterans who served this country but weren't treated with any dignity or or respect because they were black. Very true. I mean, I was a weird kid, and we actually had encyclopedias, which I know people don't even have those anymore. <laughs> and so I used to read up about this stuff. I'm like, oh, let me just, you know, just start reading. And that's how I learned about, you know, the Red Summer and what it was, because it was actually in the encyclopedia of all places. right. right. And, you know, it's it's crazy because right now I'm a teacher and I teach language arts. And so I try to bring in books that kids want to read or books that connect the kids to something. You know, like uh, one of my classes, we just read, um, uh, what was it, Sherman Alexie's Diary of a, of a Part-Time Indian. You know, and it just gives that, you know, it just ties into, like, okay, the kids can relate to this. Or, you know, if something is historical, like um, another book we read, it was called Yellow Wallpaper. And it was about this woman who may have had postpartum depression. She may have been sane. Like, you don't really know. But from the time period, you kind of guess that. And it's just a lot of stuff that, you know, you keep seeing over and over again. And just to put things into more perspective, just remember that the people who were the icons of the civil rights movement were raised by the people who survived the Red Summer. Mm. Now, back to Cullen, because like I said, it's one of my favorites. 
Now, he lost his dad during the Red Summer. His dad was fighting the Janu and disappeared. And Cullen is the opposite of Blink. He's more of a follower than a leader. You know, he's really good at fighting, and he'd rather be making a fanu than be on the front lines, which I can understand. I get that. And there's this great scene, I think it's in one of the first couple of issues, with him and his other cousin Berg, where Berg is just watching Cullen fight and giving him advice. I know, poor Cullen. <laughs> he's just he's just not so good at it. No, he is not. <laughs> and speaking of Berg, uh, Berg is probably my favorite character. I don't mm. know. Is that who's your who's your favorite character? I would in the have book? to say Cullen because I relate oh, to like him Cullen. so much. But yeah. I mean, all all three of them. I mean, Cullen, Berg, and Blink. Just, yeah, Blink is uh, good too. See, yeah. yeah, I know they're all so good. But I really like Berg because. In, especially in that scene that you're talking about where Cullen is like trying to fight these Janu, mm-hmm. but Berg is just sort of sitting back and... I think he was and, drinking tea or something too while this is going exactly. on. While these Janu are like fighting <laughs> Cullen and, and, um, and you know, and the whole time he's sort of he's sort of making fun of him, but yeah. you know, really he's just showing him tough love. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all it is, right? He's like this big brother, right? And, mm-hmm. and, um, and Berg is this, this, this big guy and yes. he's very smart and he has this amazing vocabulary. I'm not going to lie. I had to like stop and like look at a dictionary a couple times. <laughs> I was like, like what does this what word mean? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He has a very good vocabulary and actually in the Red Summer special, you'll learn more about his background and you learn about um, when he was a kid, he had a stutter mm-hmm. and he had really low self-esteem because of the stutter. And he actually believed that people saw him as weak because of his mm-hmm. stutter. And there's this really great moment with him and his dad where his dad says something like, uh, before you battle Janu, there's other battles to face, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's talking about the internal battles that you know Berg has within himself. And, and his dad shows Berg the family arsenal. He says, I want to show you the family arsenal. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking, oh, okay, it's going to be like a bunch of weapons you know what is this and when he opens the door the arsenal is a library it's just full of yes, books the last page right? reveal yes yeah. so it's just a room full of knowledge and and the message here is that there is no greater weapon than your intellect right mm-hmm. And I, I just, I love that it basically showed that Berg really wasn't so different from Cullen, right? At no. the end, they're they're pretty pretty similar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we don't want to spoil too much, but Cullen and Berg run into some trouble when they're stopped by, by the police. And they're carrying a white man and a, and a woman in their arms. And they're carrying this couple because the couple were Janu, but cured by the Fifanu serum. And you can imagine how the interpretation with the police goes. Again, 1920s, mm-hmm. maybe New York. But while this confrontation is happening with the cops, out of nowhere comes this other kind of monster. And it's a giant bird-like creature that actually talks and says their name, which Janu usually don't do. And this giant bird monster attacks Berg, and Berg becomes infected. And again, this is regular Janu, don't infect others. You'll have to read to find out what happens to Berg. Yeah, so that actually leads us to some other key characters. It's so hard not to give spoilers, so we're just that, trying that's to introduce. What I'm saying. I it's, know uh, it's so good, guys, but we want to at least introduce these characters because they're very, very important. Um, and so this introduces Miss Nightsdale and Doctor Sylvester, and so these are two people who actually met each other during the Tulsa massacre of 1921, mm-hmm. and you actually do see their backstory in more detail in the Red Summer issue, yeah. uh, and. and 
and I, I, gosh, that imagery, it got me teary eyed. I'm not going to lie. It was, mm. it was raw. Yeah. And I know a lot of people probably hadn't heard of the Tulsa massacre until they saw that episode of the Watchmen, right? Yes. Oh, right. Man. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, the Tulsa massacre, it took place actually two years after the red summer and uh, a white mob actually attacked residents and homes and businesses in the predominantly black Greenwood neighborhood of Tulsa. And this neighborhood, it was an affluent black community. It was known as Greenwood district, or you might've heard black wall street. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, it, to give you historical context, um, in nineteen in June 1921, a series of violent events destroyed the Greenwood area. 300 people were killed. Black men, women, and children were burned alive, shot, lynched, or beaten by white mobs, and thousands were left homeless. And this series of violence events occurred after a young black teenager named Dick Rowland got into an elevator with a white woman, and she screamed and ran out of the elevator. And so the other people who were waiting outside of the elevator saw, you know, this white woman yeah. running out screaming, and they immediately start speculating, oh, what happened? What made her scream? Mm -hmm. And so then rumors started spreading. I mean, just in that moment, right? In, in that very moment, oh, she must have been sexually assaulted by that black teenager in the elevator with her, right? That That's what they mm -hmm. jumped to immediately. And so what ended up happening is Dick Rowland was arrested. And then while he was waiting in the jail cell, all these mobs started to form because they wanted to lynch him. And really all hell broke loose. And there were men who were deputized and given weapons, and they started just committing violent acts against any black man that they saw. And the mob poured into the Greenwood district and they destroyed the people, the landscape, the buildings. I mean, they, it was just an all-out war yeah. here, you know, on American soil. And for a very long time, there was a news blackout, meaning the media hid this. So the news archives actually went missing. And because of this cover-up, it's really mentioned in history books today. Because it really was, so, like, people were trying to delete this from history. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the images of the Bitterroot Red Summer special are raw. You know, there's the images of the planes, which, again, if you saw that Watchmen episode, you saw that. Right. You know, and most people think that this was the first time America was hit by aerial assault. Or most people think that the first time America was hit by aerial assault was in Pearl Harbor. That's actually not true. You know, there were airplanes dropping bombs on Greenwood. You know, again, you just came home. Imagine this. You just came home from war. And then, you know, you escaped these bombs and here you are at home and you're getting bombed again. It's... It's crazy. You know, now, Roland always maintained his innocence, which might have happened, if, you know, is, you know, he could have stepped on her foot by accident or mm -hmm. looked her away, which made her scream or run out the elevator. You know, we, we just don't know. So one of the most violent massacres in U.S. history happened because of rumors. It's like the war, it's like the Rosewood Massacre in Florida or right. Emmett Till. Right. You know, it's just Absolutely. so much. Yeah. And it didn't happen until June of this year. So 2020, that Oklahoma leaders announced that the state would implement the story of the 1921 Tulsa race massacre into the curriculum of all Oklahoma schools. 
So now they're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> now in 2020, yep. they're going to start talking about, gosh, I mean, that's just, that's unbelievable, I, isn't it? I think it? <laughs> part of that may have been because of the popularity of Watchmen, honestly. You know, so mm. many people saw that, so many people were talking about it, and so many people wanted to know more. It's like, you can't sweep this under the rug anymore. I mean, it's impossible. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and you know, those those same themes of racial injustice exist today. I mean, mm-hmm. we think of George Floyd and Jacob Blake and Elijah McClain and, and countless others. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the same thing where people are calling the cops on people who are doing nothing but minding their own business. It's like yes. the same thing that happened to Dick Rowland in that elevator, right? And I think uh, I just read in the news just uh, yesterday that a man was on his cell phone in his car and someone called the police on him saying that he was waving a gun around. He was just oh, on his geez. cell phone, yeah. you know, and then they have this, in, and this is in Ohio. So, yeah, this is the same st- stuff over and over again. Um, and... You know, uh, back to the the comic book, but we're we're talking about Miss Nightsdale and and Doctor Sylvester, and they went through the Tulsa massacre together. Mm-hmm. They lost their children, they lost their homes, they suffered so much pain and loss. They suffered so much pain that that pain from that tragedy turned them not into Jinu, but another monster called mm-hmm. Inzondo, right? And and that's yeah. that's the bird-like creature that Cullen and Berg run into that you had mentioned earlier, Breck. That's yeah. that's the creature. And so Dr. Sylvester and, and Miss Nightsdale, they they don't want the the fifth no serum to cure the Jinu, right? They actually need the serum to keep them alive and strong because what they want to do is they want to destroy the Janu permanently. So what they do is they steal the bodies from the Sangre family in order to sap the serum from those bodies. And really, you know, because I'm always thinking in storytelling and metaphor, but as a metaphor, Miss Nightsdale and Sylvester's Inzondo is a personification of grief right? Yes. They they believe that they don't need to be cured, but instead that this power gives them a way to solve the problem of Jinu, which as we know is a metaphor for racism and hatred. So yeah. they're really driven by revenge. And, and really the question is, what happens when we fight hate with hate? And that really is the core of what Bitterroot is. That's right. And what's amazing is that story is only like, what, five or six pages? It's not a long story. And yet right. so much, like you said, the artwork, the right. things that happen, you know, just it's just so much in, so, right. in such a little bit amount of time. Yeah. And it's just really amazing. I mean, there's no other way to talk about this. I know we're talking about this book and how good it is, but. Yeah, I mean. It's good. It's the yes. reason why comic <laughs> books exist. And it makes you feel something. And it, yeah. it really makes you it feel. Really and it really does. It, yeah, yeah. Now, there's another member of the Sangri family that we haven't talked about. And again, I love this guy too, Ford. Yeah, me too. And he pretty much feels the same way as Dr. Sylvester and Miss Nightsdale do about the Janu. He says, I don't purify, I amputate. Ooh, I like and that. he goes I, around I, killing the Janu. I mean, when he's introduced, again, I think this is still in the first issue, when he's introduced in that cliffhanger, you're like, wait, what's going on? Right. And so for him, it's not about salvation. And again, you'll see the storyline, how he spares a KKK member. And again, like I said, I think it's the first issue and their interaction with one another. 
And like we said, we don't want to give too much away because this book is definitely worth the read. Get get Hoopla app. It's free. Download it. Go check it out. And, <laughs> you know, we introduced you to some of the characters, but there's a gateway that opens up to a purgatory-like place. You know, it has more monsters and battles, lots of surprises, and you'll have to read to find out what happens to Berg after he becomes infected. And... They even talk more about that in volume two, which is out now. Or, you know, go to your local comic shop, you know, add it to your, add it, ask they have a pool list, get it pulled every month for you. And, you know, especially if you're into magic, monsters, you know, slayers, history, redemption, then Bitterroot is the book for you. Yeah, it really is a great tool that educators can use, right, Brack? Mm-hmm, and, yeah. and therapists can use. Uh, it shows... I mean, there are just so many themes, but it even shows like the police. There's a very powerful scene where they're showing the police turn into Janu. I mean, mm, come on. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much. I mean, there's so much commentary there, right, on race relations between law enforcement and the black community. So when you but, see that powerful image, but I also want to interject real quick. You talk about yeah. the relationship between the police. Remember, there's that one black officer, and yeah. the, he's he's with his uh, he's with his I guess his partner. And he keeps talking about the sangria, and it's like, those are your people. It's like, those are my people. I don't right. know about them. I don't mess with that stuff. Right. And it's just, again, you know, the whole interaction with police again. You know, you want to be a member of the community, but you also have this job to do. And it's it's, it's that inner conflict with him that you see. And again, it's just, you only see him like maybe one or two panels, but even right. still, it's just so powerful. It was very powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, I mean, this story is a story that's really asking. How do we deal, how, how do we heal wounds instead of amputating them, right? Mm-hmm. Because you said that really powerful uh, quote from Ford, but how do we heal wounds instead of amputating them? You know, monsters are always a metaphor in comic books and movies. You know, we see them all the time. And in Bitter Root, these monsters are a, a physical manifestation of anger, mm-hmm. hate, racism, oppression. And it's not you know, some vampire curse or some zombie bite that people lose their humanity. It's it's giving into hate. Yeah. Embracing hate is when you lose your humanity. Yeah, and I feel like that book will bring into the same conversation that the Black Panther film brought about. You know, and mm-hmm. speaking of movies, Legendary Pictures acquired the feature film rights to Bitterroot. So, you know, Black Panther director Ryan Coogler, he'll produce it along with Walker, green and brown so i'm looking forward to seeing that i hope something it does i hope that doesn't end up in development hell like you always hear about i hope they actually able to bring this to the big screen i hope so i i look forward to supporting it and seeing it and i really hope you all read bitter root it's it's an important book it has an important message and to maybe leave off in some hope and bring this up a little, but to bring some hope to everyone out there who is working really hard to stand up to the injustices is that wherever you find monsters, you'll find protectors. And so you all out there have to be amongst the protectors. And so we want to dedicate this episode to those we have lost and those we will continue to protect. Yes, and we want to leave you with a quote. It's very fitting because it's from Chadwick Boseman, you know, at the end of the Black Panther movie. And again, if you haven't seen that, definitely go check that out. But he said, Now more than ever, illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. In times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. 
We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. It's beautiful. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. His yes. character and legacy will, will live on. And we thank everyone for tuning in. And we'll, we'll talk to you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Yes. Thank you.